Hi everyone, it's Obi Abuchi here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. And this show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you tap into the power of leading from the inside out. And I'm delighted to welcome onto the show, Wendy Cartwright. Wendy, great to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to it. So am I. So am I. And so that people get to know you, Wendy has held senior HR roles in central government, financial services, energy and retail sectors, and now has a portfolio that includes a mixture of project and non-executive roles. And she's particularly interested in major projects that involve creating high-performing organizations with a focus on diversity and inclusion and employee engagement and well-being. Uh, really important topics close to my heart, certainly. Uh, Wendy, once again, really exciting to have you on the show. Thank you. And people are always curious about the guests, especially if they don't uh, know you. And uh, I've given a bit of an intro, but it would be useful to hear from you. Just share a little bit about your journey, particularly as a leader. Um, I'd love to just hear a bit about your career journey and what you enjoy most about being a leader as a way of kicking things off. Oh gosh. Um, so, um, so I, I actually, it's really interesting, isn't it? Sometimes to reflect on where you get your foundations from. I know that's a thing that you talk sure. about a lot. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I, I started off in retail and I think that it, people that I know that have started in retail, you get a really good grounding in customer interaction, the way that business works and so on and so on. And I think um, also for me that certainly in my earlier career that kind of chimed with my I'm fairly action oriented I quite like to you know, see decisions done and implemented and so on so starting off in the private sector and then obviously I think as you get more as you grow um, it's a it's an interesting journey to go on where you need to be perhaps more reflective and more strategic um, as you kind of grow, grow and develop. And, um, and in my career, I've been, as you introduced me, OB, that, um, so HR, people management is my kind of core. That's what I do. Mm -hmm. But I, as you say, worked in multiple sectors. I've worked in, in um, quite complicated environments and been involved in, in some really interesting things. Um, and I think that what I've appreciated, I suppose, the, oppor the opportunities that's given me to learn about different contexts to learn about different organizations but to apply some of the things that you learned right in the very beginning how that gets adapted as, as you go um and um latterly i've been doing a lot of stuff i'm very fortunate i think in that that um that i i i really love doing stuff where i think i can add value and where mm -hmm. i learn something so those are my you know am i really interested in a thing Sure. Where can I add value and where and, and where can I learn? And, and, and the kind of major programs environment is what I've been doing, but with some bits and pieces added in into the portfolio. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. And um, I didn't get to say this, but you uh, were a fellow of the CIPD. You've now been made a companion of the CIPD. So 
Um, for those that don't know, here in the UK, that's the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. Uh, and so people development and people management, as you have said, is your thing. Um, and that's quite a recognition. So congratulations uh, on Thank that. And you've, you were the former HR director for the Olympic Development Authority. So you've seen a, a lot um, in government and the financial services energy. You've seen and worked with lots of leaders. You're aware of a lot of the challenges today. What would you say are some of the most significant challenges that leaders are facing in our world today? Yeah, it's really interesting, I think. Um, so I think that the kind of, um, so the post-Brexit, post-COVID, how are we coming into this new landscape, coupled with the, you know, the um, environmental crisis, how do we get to carbon net zero, et cetera, et cetera. I mm. think that those are really important challenges across the piece, regardless of whether or not you're public, private sector, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And I think that reflecting on the past um, couple of years, um, and you all have had these conversations, Obi, I'm sure, multiple times. But I think the, the thing, the thing, one of the things that struck me is that a lot of organisations had been previously in control of their organisations to a greater extent than they have been. You know, they've been forced to recognise. You know, it's always been about. You know, you can't necessarily influence what your competitors are doing, but you've got a good idea of what's happening. You've got a good control over your landscape. You can make decisions and implement them. And I think, you know, even if you just take, for example, in the UK, but broadly as well across the world, skill shortages, challenges with supply chains, mm. you know, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and then couple that with what had previously, pre-COVID, been the real challenge of getting to carbon net zero and how and how we're going to change. So I think that uh, across the piece, there are enormous challenges around um, around uh, skills development, holding on to people. Um, what does this new hybrid working look like then? Um, coupled with mm. some really interesting challenges around which have, I think have been growing anyway over previous years around what does leadership really look like? Um, mm. And I know, again, that's something that you that you focus on. Um, for many years, the kind of traditional, more, you know, uh, do as I say kind of leadership hasn't mm. worked. And But what does it really mean around um, sort of challenges for leadership um, as we lead out of this crisis mode and into, into something um, over the over the um, next few years, which feels a little bit more stable and a little bit more in control. Um, yeah. So I think that's a real that's a real challenge. And some of the some of the responses to um, the COVID crisis have actually given some things that I know that businesses want to hold on to. So what mm. does it mean about you know how how flexible can and should you be in your organisation around um, kind of giving people your employees control over their time and space mm. and all of those sorts of things and I think that there's there's some interesting um uh, sort of dynamics at play here probably uniquely at play with all of those things coming together <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah 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 there, there's thanks for for that so yeah lots of big things coming out of this post covid post uh, us the UK post Brexit um, era and the skills shortages, massive challenge for leaders. And as you say, recognizing 
what do we actually have control over and what do we not have control over and and the things that we thought we had control over was that just an illusion <laughs> in reality we're realizing we don't have um control uh, over uh those things and therefore that is testing us uh, as leaders it's testing um our perspective it's testing our resilience um I've, and I'm sure you've had conversations with lots of leaders who over the COVID period were tested more than ever and stretched more than ever to think uh, differently. And not only were they having to manage the operational and business side of things, all of, all of us were dealing with personal challenges as well. And family health challenges, making sure that we're at our, our best. And so that's um, a huge amount of pressure and stress on leaders and, and resilience. So that's a, an important topic that I often uh, focus on with leaders has been tested and stretched. And, and I'd love to just go there with you now in terms of what part does resilience play in some of what leaders are having to navigate um, right now? And, and how can leaders tap into more of that resilience? So um, yeah, let's just go there. But what, what role do you think resilience is playing for leaders today? And how can they tap into more of that? I think it's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because um... And, and in advance of this conversation, Obi, you asked me to think about resilience. So I did spend mm. some time mm -hmm. thinking about that, what it meant to me personally and what, 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 I, think, what I think it means um, for leaders at the moment. Um, in some respects, because the COVID situation has been, I mean, and it's awful what a lot of people have um, gone through personally and you know as in globally there's been a, an, an enormous shock and 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 a lot of that's going to carry on for you know years and years and years so um mm. so there is a there's there's a, a a serious impact on people's mental health and well-being because of covid and mm. sometimes that is felt as you as you quite rightly said on a very personal level and sometimes it's felt in um, organizations in health and social care and so on and so on in, 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 in different ways. So there's, there, there is something about that. And, and, and again, reflecting on what that feels like, I think, you know, from, from my perspective, you know, I've got a daughter who's in her early twenties and I, you know, having the conversations with her around like the world is not, you can't control everything. And mm. here, and actually, a whole generation have gone through something where they they've actually gone through something that has been really, really difficult, and they've come out of the other end. It feels a little bit like they're going through the Second World War or the First World War to me. I think oh. there's something around that that yeah. kind of reminds us of our resilience as human beings, individually and collectively. So I think mm. that that is going to play out in interesting ways um, anyway. And mm. I, and, and, um, I think organisationally, the recognition of that and from a, you know, how, how I've seen some individuals change um, 
how they show potentially, let's say, a bit more vulnerability. They don't have all the answers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that's quite, it, it will be interesting to see how much of that sort of settles down into a different way of thinking as, as we go forward. But on a kind of personal level as well, you know, leaders, and, you know, this goes to exactly to what you're teaching. You've got to, you've got to be, you've got to have your, your own core has to be right. You have to look after yourself first so that you can do the right things by your family by your organizations and so on and so on and I think that that whole thing about paying attention to the whole self doing mm. some you know getting into good habits and uh, mm. works on an individual as well as a team as well as an organization and, and then societal um uh level if you level. like yeah yeah and and so you know if again if you think about conversations around mental health um, around diversity, you know, the, 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 the aftershock of George Floyd and the mm. conversations that are now opening up. Um, in, and we're thinking about, you know, in, in diversity and inclusion terms, the impacts of empire in a way that we hadn't done before. And so it's a learning, mm. you know, it's, for me, that's been a real learning point. Um, and uh, so I think that there's a whole, so the question about remaining open, remaining, you know, in a sort of learning mindset and mm. but also kind of banking the things that can anchor us a little bit so that we don't feel too buffeted. I think that, that's that's the sort of sweet spot if we can get there. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I can imagine that for a lot of people, you talked about the vulnerability that leaders had to mm. show during, especially over the last 18 months, because they, there really weren't answers to a lot of questions that people had. There was a lot of uncertainty. It, um, you're not the first person that's spoken about the similarities to wartime, not, not only <laughs> from a rationing perspective uh, here in the UK, from toilet roll to going into the supermarkets and being told, hey, only take two packs of... Or, or four packs of uh, pasta and, and tins. And so that really felt, whoa, what's going on here? Um, uh, as well as just the uncertainty of lockdown and, and impact that was going to have and how do we connect as an organization digitally. So there was a level of vulnerability that everyone felt. And I can imagine that leaders... Um, uh, I well, I know for sure. I've had lots of conversations with leaders who felt that that too. Um, you talked about this anchoring, and and I often talk about it as you know, just really having a strong core, having something that grounds you, and and anchoring so that you're not buffeted and um, too much by all of this uncertainty, because that's really hard. As leaders, we want to know where we're going, and we want to know what we're about. What what specifically have you seen work really well to anchor leaders? So as they're asking new questions and exploring a new world, these are some of the things that keep you anchored. What have you seen work well and perhaps not so well? Yeah, so I think so from a sort of organizational perspective, it's all about understanding your purpose, the direction you're going in. Have you are you all you know moving in that direction? Um, mm. Uh, you know the kind of communication across that trust in relationships uh which can take some time to build and you know the, and the challenges that have recently posed themselves around 
you know, we're all, we've all been, who would have imagined that two years ago, we've all been hiring people sometimes into our senior teams that we haven't met face to face. And and how does yeah. that look like? You know, mm. what does that look like? How do you create those kind of personal connections? Um, um, you know, you can't spot, for example, when you might otherwise metaphorically have put an arm around a colleague in an office and said, are you okay? For example. Sure. So, so, so some of those things, I think that we, you know, we've all worked our way through and we know that, Again, from the pandemic perspective, um, I think that, you know, the, the analogy, again, if we can just kind of continue to think about that a little bit longer before we move off of the pandemic, the, you know, the analogy in the beginning is we're all in the same boat. We know that's not true. We know that the pandemic has caused um, real schisms in you know, people that have not had access to technology to be able to mm-hmm. study mm-hmm. Um, or yeah. work, yeah. You know, people that are working from you know, a bedroom, people who, you know, I've, I've, I've always, when people have said to me, how are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm really lucky because I've got space in my house and I've got mm-hmm. a garden and I can mm-hmm. go outside and I can do those things. And that has not been everybody's experience. Yeah. And so I think that from a kind of, you know, sort of resilience perspective, again, that whole thing about mental health and being able to perform at your best there's you know some of the things that we've learned and possibly reinforced over the pandemic some people have you know it's about appreciating open space it's about getting out early in the morning and all of that is actually rooted in scientific it's how our brains are wired it's how our you know how we process um you know um you know good nutrition leads to mm. you know your better gut health leads to all of that sort of thing so i think that the whole thing about focusing a little bit more on that there's much more information out there now and i think from an mm. organizational perspective moving away from well-being feeling like you know you get a fruit basket on a tuesday <laughs> we do a well-being week once a year it doesn't feel right mm. anymore so what does that look like you know and there's a lot of things that you can and should do from an organizational perspective to do it but I think it's a I think it's again from my perspective it's about you know how do you how do you continue to create and organizations have been awful at this for most organizations have been awful at Mm -hmm. this for years it's about the the voice that goes up from Mm. the organization up we all do a little bit too much top down so mm-hmm. I think that, again, creating those for, uh, you know, getting really good at communications. And interestingly, mm-hmm. again, in the beginning of the pandemic, organizations were getting better scores on engagement and, you know, feeling connected and leadership in the comms than they had previously. Sure, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, little, that's starting to wane a bit more now. And I, I don't think there are easy answers to that. Um, mm. hmm. It's interesting, just yeah, hear, hearing the description, and I'm glad that you said, "Hey, let's just dig deeper into the impact of the pandemic and some of what it taught us." I remember saying to various people that I've worked with that it's surprising to me how, um, and I'd say this to any senior leadership how typically most leadership teams seem to want to leave humanity at the door and think hey we've got to focus on here's what we've got to do here's what we got to deliver and what COVID did in a very sobering way but a helpful way brought that humanity back 
it brought the humanity back in in various ways, whether that's, hey, my kid is running in the background or he might come in and say he needs help with the homework and we're all feeling, yeah, I, I get it. I get it because this is this is unusual times, but all of a sudden you, you realize, actually I am vulnerable, I am needy, my family is needy. This is you know, extra pressure on all of us. And so, in connecting with more of our humanity, we're able to say, how are people doing? Let's share, let's be transparent, let's have weekly updates so that people know. So somehow COVID helped us be more human and that helped us deal with some of the sort of mental health challenges. And how do we as leaders going forward, make sure we keep that, we keep that humanity and don't suddenly say, oh, okay, yeah, the world's better again, great. Let's become robots and do up and like no. Let's remain human and stay connected to to that. So that that's what just hearing you share there draws out for me. Just the importance of connecting to our not losing sense of our humanity as we try to grow and build and develop our organizations. Um, Agreed. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things I guess this also draws out as well, you talked about some of the sort of top-down approach to engagement and communication and, and leadership, um, is about how leaders see their influence and, and use their power. Um, how, how do leaders see the power that they have. Um, and sadly, we've got examples of leaders who abuse that power and authority. I'm curious, just from your experience, your perspective, why do you think that is? Why is it that, that um, leaders abuse the power and authority that they have? Oh, gosh, that's a big <laughs> question. <laughs> I know, we can put the world to right here. That's, that's allowed. <laughs> <laughs> there's something isn't there i wish i wish i'd have had a chance to look up the statistic obi but there's something about the proportion of of uh, senior leaders that are potentially on the psychopath scale which is interesting <laughs> where there's a kind of lack of empathy and it is a thing you know it's a thing it's not a violent psychopath but actually that that disconnect with empathy and and kind of like the narcissistic tendencies and so on and so on and, and uh, there's definitely something around um the kind of ambition and one of your sort of thoughts I know that we might talk about is that whole question of ego and self and mm -hmm. all of that as, mm -hmm. as a leader so I think that there's well let's sort of unpack that I think why do people behave like that it's because they're allowed to <laughs> or encouraged to sure um you know it's it's and and, and some of that is in our all in our biases you know, we see people that look like that. We think that's what they have to look like. We think that you have to be, you know, a tall man called John to be a CEO. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another stat that, you know, I can't remember the numbers, but there are more men called John that were CEOs than women in the FTSE 100 a while back. I'm sure that's still true. So that, that wow. you know, and, and, and actually, you know, there's, the, you know, there's been, again, studies done on, that on on a kind of height differentials you know we're all wired to think that a leader looks like a certain thing mm -hmm. and then I think mm -hmm. that some of that 
can also lead into behaviors where, and again, from a really early grounding, I think, um, and this is something that fascinates me as well. We, we can all do more in this area. There's from a gender bias perspective, if we're going to go into that route, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, there's something that reinforces for young boys and young men and then men in, 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 in organizations that you have to be tough and strong and resilient and you have to be, you know, behave in a certain way. Sure. Um, and you're still going to shops now and the, girl's t-shirt says little princess or sweet or you know i'm cute and the boys one goes i'm a superhero i'm a you know astronaut i'm a you know feisty take on the world yeah and and it happens from a really early age (laughs) that conditioning so i think it's unsurprising when society conditions still like that Mm. that you that the assumptions that that get then placed on leadership behaviors also go into that area so i Mm. think that um, there's there's something societal around it which we should mm-hmm. challenge and I know, you know again good leaders do and we all learn about those things I think in certain organizations the kind of more kind of aggressive um, you know if you think back to some of the awful examples where business have in the end gone bust or they've you know you know there's multiples of those it's because all the way through that leader is and is seen as you know, uh, decisive, able to cut through stuff, make a thing happen, et cetera, et cetera. And there's not enough checks and balances in the machinery mm. to stop that. So I think that because we've had quite a lot of those examples now, the organisations focus on the ESG thing, environmental, yeah. social and governance is yeah. right. But what we see is that some organisations are paying lip service to it and don't really mean it. So, mm. and again, if you think back to some of the kind of organizational responses or, or things that went out PR wise from, you know, post George Floyd, if you like, just to take that as an example, that felt yeah. really like it's not, doesn't really stack up the greenwashing environment as well and so on and so on. So there's something around organizational truth being held to account, um, and, you know, being authentic in inverted commas, mm. um, that, you know, really needs to exist within an organization. Um, and again, you know, the more diverse, the more, uh, you know, able an organization is to critically challenge itself, to look outside, to bring in external perspectives. It stops the group think that you otherwise get. Yeah. So yeah. I think that I'd say all of those things are true. Um and, 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 and the focus on diversity and inclusion and, and different, you know, we, we have to make sure that within organizations, we are really truly open to that. Because if you're the one person in the room that's trying to challenge something, or maybe you don't even speak up, or maybe you, you know, how do we create that? You know, how do we ensure when we're leaders that mm-hmm. as we go around the table in a meeting or a virtual table, that we listen to, we ask people that wouldn't otherwise be the loudest voice that we challenge our own thinking to make sure that we've not gone down a, you know, a unchecked path. And I think those, yeah. are, those are all good things to do. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Um, that I, you talked about authenticity there as organizations, but also as a leader and it feels in a strange way, it actually takes, an incredible amount of confidence and security to draw on more ideas as a leader. Um, 
which might seem odd to some people because you think, oh, but it's the confidence to cut through and it's the confidence to deliver. But you're saying, and I certainly say, actually, if you're really confident, you're really secure, you'll ask people the questions. You won't allow group think in your leadership team. You'll say, hey, who's got a different perspective, guys? Because we're about our purpose here. And I, it's not about me looking good or me being right. It's about us doing the right thing. So it, it takes a lot of confidence in, I mean, a real authentic confidence as a leader to say, I don't have all the answers and I'm going to make sure that as a team, we're really drawing on the talent and the, the diversity of thinking and perspective to achieve what we need to achieve. But, but then that brings us to something else that you touched on of just about ego is, but also as leaders, we're often where we are because we're seen as decisive and know what we need to do. And so managing that ego and, and how I look and how I come across is a tough thing to do. Um, and what helps? What helps leaders to keep their ego in check? What's been some of your experience of, um, hey, I, I need to keep my ego in check here and really be in service of the organization rather than, than just myself? Yeah, I think that's a really, it's a really um, interesting question, isn't it? Because you do need to have a certain degree of self-belief and a certain degree of confidence. Mm -hmm. And in some respects, it's really interesting to think about whether or not you go into the fake it till you make it mode, in which case, <laughs> you know, and because, um, and again, before this, before our conversation, I was reflecting on my own kind of um, journey, if you like, as a leader. Mm -hmm. I think um, every single time that I've gone a little bit up the ladder or done something which is a little bit more challenging, there's, there's a moment of discomfort that you have to kind of embrace before you do the next thing. Or as you go yeah. into it, you think you've got it nailed and you haven't been. <laughs> and then you have a moment of realisation that, you know, where somebody says to you, no, actually, you know, you're just doing this <laughs> adequately. There's this whole thing over there that, you, uh, that you're not even looking at. And you go, oh, no. And then you have to embrace it and then you have to go for it. So I think that if you've mm. gone through that, in some respects, it sort of checks your ego, but it sort of helps you kind of move, if you like. So both of those things, I think, have to be true. You know, you have to have the confidence. And again, going back to, and I know I'm gender stereotyping here, but forgive me, you know, typically it can be more of a female trait, typically, to hold back and to need more encouragement and to be told no you go for this job now and it can mm -hmm. typically be more of a male trait I'm just like in broad general yeah yeah sure studies have been done on that that says mm. that men are more likely to put themselves into positions where they so they feel more confident to do stuff even if they don't have all of the tools in their bag you know even if there's a little bit of a gap in a job description and mm -hmm. women are less likely to do that and need more encouragement in doing that so I think that, and all, that applies to you know other you know other other groups that typically aren't in leadership positions as well so i think there's something around that and i mm -hmm. think that the again it's it's if you're um it, the values of an organization i think that's a really interesting question as well because there will be some organizations that you know really you would be selling your soul if you if you actually 
went along with the way that and people get stuck in organizations for all sorts of reasons so I'm not mm-hmm. judging that at all but there'll be per, there'll be moments where you know you're thinking about applying for a job or you maybe you're in an organization and you've got to feel that that, that the system itself and the people and the way that the organization conducts itself is basically in keeping with your own kind of morals if you like sure. morals yeah. and values yeah yeah so so i think that there's a there's a there's a sort of balance between you have to have sufficient confidence or or, or sufficient support system around you to Mm. make you feel comfortable to be in a position of where you are essentially putting yourself a little bit more on the line because you're in a leadership or management position i think that happens at every level actually as you go up you know your first line supervisory thing your you know etc etc that happens at every level but i think at the top of organizations and certainly in some sectors it can be really really competitive and i think that's why some people have to have an ego and like a persona it's almost like an acting thing in some places where you have a work persona and maybe again back to the conversation yeah. about covid maybe some of that has been a little bit chipped away and so, so that people, yeah. <laughs> there's more of a blend of the human person um but some organizations can be really tough you know again yeah. Yeah. very top levels you know the average length of a ceo is you know less than 18 months or something like that in some in some spheres so you yeah. know you don't um necessarily judge people for having to look like they're in control of everything <laughs> indeed yeah and and some of it is the market right um if every yeah. quarter you're having to yeah declare your performance and how you've done and yeah. before you know it you're out if you haven't delivered and so no matter how much of a long-term yeah. focus you might want to have or hey the overall well-being of the organization if you're being judged by the last quarter and not the last quarter's engagement scores or well-being initiatives but last quarter's earnings then that yeah. can be really tough for yeah. um leaders as well and obviously really. something that they need to um manage mm-hmm. um Wendy, I feel we could go on and clearly continue to talk and explore and share ideas and and put the world to right, as well as share some incredible tips for our viewers and listeners. Um, But I'd love to wrap up with this uh, question. Um, If you could chat with your younger self, just as you were beginning your leadership journey with everything that you've seen everything you've experienced um, as a leader what advice would you give to your younger self about the leadership journey ahead what advice would you give yeah I I think I would say um, I think there is something about embracing the discomfort that comes (laughs) like Mm. you know that, that as you go there'll be moments where you know, you feel less comfortable. There'll be moments that you feel, you know, maybe you're, maybe you can't see the way forward in your organisation. Maybe you need to think about changing so on, and that that's all good. Um, and 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 to sort of pay attention to that. I'm very much a kind of head and heart person. Mm-hmm. If something doesn't feel right, you think about it and you kind of unpack it and you pay attention to that. And likewise, you know, if you're, if you're thinking something, then you check with your gut, does it feel right? And so kind of in some respects, it's sort of trust your instincts and 
and embrace if you like how you're feeling because that is really valuable and know that at certain points it's going to be a bit tough and as you say like the resilience <laughs> that you've got you've, if you've got enough chips in the bank then you're going to get through it <laughs> so oh, yeah. you know so um, um and uh, sort of working working through that I think also I'd say um that that um I had various moments in, in, in my career where I've kind of learned some important things, I think about myself and about, you know, um, my, um, I suppose potential, but also what, how I might have been holding back. And I went on a course once, um, um, in Cranfield and, um, uh, which was around sort of general management side of things, but there was a bit in there where you had, there was like a group exercise and I really held back. I was in the corner and I was doing a thing and actually our group failed the challenge. And, and there was somebody in the, in the room, well, actually all of the room went, why didn't you not step forward? Cause you could see in the debrief what you sure. needed to do. And I didn't mm. do it because I was kind of more comfortable and so I think that the, that 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 would be what I would say is like be ready to step forward and step up mm. and and embrace the discomfort because that's going to come all the way through and it still does but you know that's not a bad thing just recognize it and don't kind of hide in the corner and you know do be a team yeah. player step up when you need to sure yeah yeah brilliant I love that yeah I, I love that that's so powerful embrace that discomfort but also I love the emphasis on just yeah connecting with your head but also with your heart as well and I feel I, I'm talk a lot about leading from the inside out so just really being in tune with what are the the values of my heart? What what are the beliefs that help me be at my best? Our team be at our best. Our organization deliver our our purpose. So if you can connect with that, so head, heart, and, and guts, um, that helps you to lead in a in a healthy, holistic way. And there's far too much head out there and not enough of that heart connection but we are human beings and we've been given that that heart and that gut for a reason and it really enables us to lead in a healthy way so um thank you for sharing that wendy and to all our listeners and viewers i hope you enjoyed the conversation uh got some great insights um, I really enjoyed it, loved everywhere we went and wish we could have chatted some more. So uh, I'm sure we'll have uh, some more conversations about what we've talked about today. But uh, remember, uh, listeners, viewers, that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader, if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose, then it starts from the inside out. Have a great day and see you all on the next show. And Wendy, thank you once again for joining me on the show.